Hello, everyone. Thank you once again for joining me for Choices Finding Your Joy. Paula Bale here. And I have with us today two beautiful people who help so many others find their joy. I am so happy to share with you today, Drs. Ron and Mary Holmick. They are pioneers and worldwide leaders in the field of spiritual psychology, as well as teachers and facilitators of awakening in consciousness. They are renowned educators, authors, and the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica, where they have designed, developed, and facilitated educational programs for the past 35 years. I am so happy to share the two of you with everyone today. I want to say first off, welcome, Ron and Mary. Thank you so much, Paula. We're delighted to be with you. Yeah, this will be fun. Yes, yes. I'm so honored, and we are just going to have so much fun today. We uh, will be talking quite a bit about their absolutely fantastic book, Remembering the Light Within. I just love it. Um, first off, would either of you like to share a bit of your background, or would you like to just jump right in and and start sharing to those that don't know what it is. What does awakening mean? Well, uh, awakening to us means awakening to our essential nature, to our spiritual nature, which is loving, joyful, peaceful, wise, and more. And it's a process really of remembering you know, it's like we come onto the planet and we fall into spiritual amnesia, usually around the age of six or so. And then we have the wonderful task and opportunity to learn to discern between the ego and the authentic self and to dissolve the barriers that really block us from the awareness of who we truly are. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, finding that and becoming aware really is a big step, isn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. Yes. But you know, the good news is it's everyone's destiny. Sooner or later, we will all wake up. The only real variable is time. And as we love to say in our classes, and the only time is now. It's never a month ago, it's never a month from now. The only time we're really ever in is now. So we may as well do the work now because that's all the time there is. Yes. Now is where we, we put things in motion, isn't it? Yes. Yes, now is where we make choices. Now is really where we have the opportunity to heal, to awaken, and also then to turn and be of service to others. Ah, so what would you say to the viewers? What could be a first step for them in this direction? Well, a very uh, first step really is to consider that possibility that you are more in consciousness beyond your mind, beyond your thoughts, and also beyond your feelings. 
that there's a whole other level of consciousness that we refer to as the authentic self that you can access. And you don't access it nearly as much by um, doing things like uh, meditation and trying to become more awake. Really, the, the best way that we have found was set out in the words of the Persian mystic poet Jalaluddin Rumi when he said, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within that you have placed against it. And to that we add, and to dissolve them. So once a person learns the technology of dissolving these barriers, and in a way it's really not that hard to do, it just takes practice because we're not used to doing things that way. But every time you resolve one barrier, you will see more clearly and you will experience a greater sense of loving, which is your essential nature within. Oh, I love that. I love that. And we all have that essential nature and that loving within us, don't we? Yes. We do. And it's, uh, it's so wonderful. I think sometimes people with the best of intentions get very involved in an, uh, in an attempt to fix themselves or improve themselves and really the the ego could be endlessly focused in that way where it's more about letting go and recognizing that within this lies uh, the majesty of the soul and that this is not a theoretical concept but a practical reality that we all can experience and live into and the reason that we know it's a practical reality is that we have seen thousands, literally thousands of people move forward in this awakening process. So we know that it works experientially. These are not just ideas uh, or postulates or uh, principles that, that are just based on our, what our mind has come up. They're based on things that we have observed and participated in over these past 35 years. And, you know, and you've created the work at, you know, the Santa Monica University. I can imagine the effects that you have seen in these years. Really? Oh my goodness, we are so blessed. We have a beautiful community of graduates. We have over 5,600 people who have graduated from the programs that we offer at the University of Santa Monica. We had an introductory evening on this past Tuesday night where some of the graduates, uh, people who just completed the program in July spoke. And I must say, it was breathtaking for me listening to them, the transformation that they had experienced and the movement forward in their lives and the ways in which they were now showing up, being of service, contributing in ways that they previously had not done. So it is very inspiring work. And there's something wonderful about doing it in a class where there are other people um, 
in our first year program, we've had as many as 276 students at a time. We have had as little as 100 students in the program in the earlier years. And it is beautiful to see a group of people who have the intention to remember the light within, to awaken, to heal, transform, to let go of the misidentifications, the limiting beliefs, the story that keeps them in limitation and lack. Yes, yes. And, you know, that's like putting waves in the pond. You know, they graduate and they take that with them and the difference they're making in others' lives. Yes. Yeah, there, there is a tremendous ripple effect. And that is uh, part of what gives us joy because anyone who comes into USM so frequently grads will tell us how it has changed their whole family. And um, at USM events, it's not unusual for us to meet the parents of graduates or the spouses, the children, and, and just the beautiful blessings that have unfolded for them. Because they, this is practical spirituality. And that's why the book is written the way that it is. It provides information, inspiration, and stories. But it also, at the end of every chapter, there are practices, very specific ways that people can lean into this, try things out in their lives, discover how it works for them, and to experience the benefits and the blessings. This is uh, one of the reasons the book has 26 chapters, because a great way to utilize it is to take a is to take one chapter and work with it for two weeks. That way, you have a year long course at your fingertips that you can continue to refer to, and it takes a good two weeks to try out these practices and really uh, have enough time in each one so that you start to get more comfortable with it and you start to see the results that these evenings that Mary was talking about. I think my favorite feedback is from parents who, who come, their kids bring them, and they, and they say, uh, I want to thank you because this has changed my son's or my daughter's life. It is so evident, and therefore it has enhanced our family by that much. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I love that, that there's the practice because that really makes it hands-on. Exactly. Makes you put that into, you know, a process and a practice. It's so important. It's wonderful to hear someone speak and to be inspired by them. And that inspiration can carry us for a while. But there are practices that as we learn them, utilize mm. them, experience them, they become a way of being and a way of life that is profoundly transformational. And it leads to a greater clarity and inner knowing, not as a concept, but as an experience that my nature is love, that I'm here to, to awaken into the awareness of that love, I'm here to share that love with others, and that through that process, there's actually a, a, an authentic empowerment where people then stand up more fully in the truth of the being that they are and share their unique giftedness. 
What a blessing. And we, we see it experientially in the classes because we most of the time spent in the classes is spent in experiential processes with other classmates. And I tell people, you know, one of the things I did when I was younger is I became a private pilot. And you could read a thousand books on flying, but until you get into the plane and take the <laughs> in the air, you don't know what flying is. And so this is why our work is so highly experiential. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, I'd like to touch on, you know, so much is out there about our ego. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it, you know, how does the ego play into awakening? What, where do we, you know, want to be with our ego? See, the, the ego actually is very, very, very important because it is only through the ego that we can discern what we refer to as polarity, positive and negative. The soul doesn't discern positive and negative because the nature of the soul is loving. There's no polarity. So in order to operate in this world, we need an ego. The challenge that we have is the way that we have all been brought up. We have been brought up so that the ego is in charge. And every now and then, we get a glimmer of what has often been referred to as the still small voice within, which is the authentic self. Uh, but it doesn't really care about power, and so it's content to just observe and learn through observation. But as you awaken, what happens is that the authentic self in consciousness begins to get more and more and more powerful, and the ego shrinks in its power until you finally reach a point where the authentic self, which is the essence of your soul, takes over total dominion, and then the ego becomes the faithful servant, which is what it was designed to be in the first place, and it now carries out the orders or the directions of the, uh, of the authentic self rather than the other way around. It's like, um, it's as if we're walking around with our computers and our cell phones and they're in charge. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it seems as though they are. Yeah. You know, they let us know when they want us to talk to them. And, you know, but uh, really, it's the programmer. It's the one inside that is the one that wants to awaken. Yes. I've always looked at the ego as it's a good thing. Yes. It's good to have. We just don't want it to be out of balance. That's right. Yes. It needs to be in balance. That's exactly and, right. And one of the things that is so helpful is when people begin to learn to distinguish between ego reference thinking and authentic self-reference thinking. Because ego reference thinking can be judgmental. It can be very much inside right wrong. And, and looking through those more critical judgmental eyes, as opposed <coughs> to the eyes that are accepting the eyes of the soul or the authentic self, which are unconditionally loving and compassionate. And one of the really happy days is when people begin to realize 
that they can recognize that voice of criticism, of negative thoughts, of judgment inside themselves, and they can learn to shift the channel to what is more uplifting, more positive, more compassionate, and they open up to the deeper wisdom and the loving that is the essential nature and that they can reside in that consciousness more and more of the time. In the book, the way Mary talks about it is shifting from K-ego to K-love. <laughs> you shift the channel. I love it. I love it. And let's, let's bring a little bit of compassion into the conversation. Talk sure. about what compassion does for us in our awakening. See, the, the essence of compassion, I mean, if you break the word down, C-O, C-O-M, really means to be with. It's like uh, company, um, cooperation. It's that essence of coming together, to, to be together. And the word passion really, you know, and I know uh, um, we don't tend to use it this way, but the word really means suffering. If you, if you look that word up, it's like the passion of the Christ. You really are going are gonna to see that it really means suffering. So the word compassion really means to be able to be with someone who is suffering and to not judge them and to not wish that they were doing it any differently and to not judge them for, for the way that they're expressing themselves, but to understand that they really are doing the best that they know how to do and that your job is to uh, is to love them, really, and be able to bring that loving presence with them. This is what hospice is all about. It finds its way uh, into that frame of work very accurately, to be with those who are suffering. You know, and we have such a example in current events in this country, the hurricanes that have occurred in Texas and Florida, those regions, and just the outpouring of compassion that has occurred, people helping people in such heartfelt and beautiful, beautiful ways. And what I would say about compassion is that it is one of the greatest keys <coughs> to awakening. One of the principles of spiritual psychology is how you relate to the issue is the issue. Or said another way, how you relate with yourself while you go through the issue is the issue and the opportunity. And so many times people are caught up in a, a way of relating with themselves that is very harsh, very critical, very judgmental, very demanding, and there are often unrelenting standards of perfection. And so helping people recognize to develop uh, this self-reflecting thinking where I can be aware of what is the conversation that's going on inside of me? Is this kind? Is this loving? Is this accepting, nurturing, encouraging, compassionate? Or is this judgmental and harsh? It's a, a form of beating oneself up and Part of what we encourage our students to cultivate 
our practices of self-nurturing, to become more aware of the inner conversation, to learn how to shift channels. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that just, you know, that makes me think about how really isn't any issue, trauma, or event that comes in our life, we have an opportunity to how we are going to look at that and yeah. react to that, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. In fact, that, that principle, I think, would be more accurate if it stated how you relate to the perceived issue is the real issue. Yes. You know, because very often we go into, we collapse into a state of, I'm upset because we want to blame other people. We want to blame a situation, event, a circumstance, rather than recognizing, as Viktor Frankl said, even in the worst of circumstances, we have the opportunity to choose our attitude. Yes, yes. And, oh my gosh, that's so true. Our perception can be something different than really what the situation is. That's, that's, yes. that's wow. exactly right. Because, see, in, in when we say this, I am upset because, what we're really saying is that my inner state is being determined by something that has happened out there in the world. But that's really not accurate. The thing that, that determines our feeling is the rule or the uh, concept or the definition of the way things should be. It's that thought process, that uh, way we, we believe things should be that has gotten violated. Yeah, and that's yes. why somebody can perceive something and see it one way and somebody else perceives something and they see it entirely opposite. Yes. It's, it's not in the what happens out there. It's in you perceive it literally according to your interpretation of what that event means. And, and it's not only the interpretation that we make about the event, it's then what we take it to mean about us. Right. And so often the conclusion is, well, there must be something wrong with me, or it must mean that I'm unworthy, or it means I deserve to be punished. You know, there are these deeper underlying interpretations and conclusions that we draw that are erroneous and part of the work of... Uh, remembering the light within, the work of spiritual psychology is helping people become aware of those deeper misidentifications and misinterpretations and to let them go. In a way, it's like, you could think of it metaphorically, it's like very often we're wearing an old coat that's shabby and ill-fitting, that's constructed of these limiting interpretations and beliefs and the negative judgments that we placed against ourselves and that the process of awakening is learning to take off that coat and so that the radiance of who we truly are can shine and we're free to share it. And that process is what awakening is. Yes, yes. Is there something you'd like to say to the viewers today that they can, after, after they watch this show, 
something you really like them to think about and step forward with? Well, rather than think about, I've got a recommendation of something they can do. Oh, I love it. And that would be uh, pick a day, any day, and when you, from the time you wake up in the morning until the time that you go to sleep at night, and this is, you can do this whether you believe it or not, you just do it anyway, and that is everywhere you go and everyone you see, see them through eyes that are saying something like, um, wow, there's somebody in the checkout line at the supermarket. They are a soul having a human experience, just like me. And there's the person behind the checkout counter checking them out. And they're a soul having a human experience, just like me. And their essential nature is loving, no matter how they sound, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they look like. That's a soul having a human experience. You do that for one day, and I would wager anything, that's going to have an effect on you of a positive nature. And what I would share, Paula, I encourage those of you that are listening and watching, set an intention to remember the light within. Set the intention to remember your essential nature, to experience yourself as the presence of love, as living love. And, and intention is extremely important. An intention that is heartfelt, it will be responded. The universe will respond to that and will begin to bring forward experiences <coughs> and awarenesses that will support you in remembering the light within, in waking up into the love that is your essential nature. Oh, that is so beautiful. We have about two minutes left in the show, Mary and Ron. What, what last words do you want to say to everyone? Well, for a lot of people, uh, what I would say to them, and I'd probably be talking to some part of them that uh, would be very young. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to them is, you've never done anything wrong. You always did what seemed like a good idea at the time. And that's a very uh, healing thing for people to really know. You know, that is beautiful, Ron, because it's really about distinguishing who we are, who you are as a being from experiences that you've had and from things that you've done. That those two things really are different. And we can learn from our experiences and we can learn to make different choices choices that are more in harmony with our essential nature. But we don't need to continue to judge and contemn ourselves for choices that we made that didn't work out so well. That we can let those go, that <clears throat> frees us then to make new choices, more in harmony with the love and more in harmony with the heartfelt dreams and aspirations that we hold. Yes. Oh. Thank you so much. This has been so beautiful. Oh, I just enjoy the two of you so much. Oh. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paula. It's really a privilege to be with you and just
just experience the beauty and radiance of your being and uh, your open heart and the love and the message that you bring to your community. Thank you. So happy. Thank you so much. And thank you for all you do for others and your beautiful sharing energy. I'm just so happy that, that we've been connected. And to all the viewers out there, thank you for joining us. Love, hugs, and blessings. Ron and Mary, love, hugs, and blessings. Thank you, Paul. Thank you.